everyone, and welcome to Val Cafe. My name is Brian Hostler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I'm joined as always by my co-host. Hi everyone, I'm Carolyn Cameron, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop, if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, long-time practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. So we're joined today by Sarah Farina, Principal Consultant of Broadleaf Consulting in Vancouver, BC. And Sarah specializes in planning, evaluation, and governance, and has over 18 years of experience working in more than 30 countries to help clients create healthy, vibrant, and prosperous communities. She also just wrapped up a very successful term as the president of the BC Yukon chapter of the Canadian Evaluation Society, which included co-chairing our very successful 2017 National Conference here in Vancouver. Uh, so we're really excited to have you with us today, Sarah, and you can find out more about Sarah by visiting her website, which we're going to link into the show notes. So Brian, what is it that we're all here to talk about today? Well, we're going to be warming up our vocal cords, we're going to be busting out our instruments, uh, drums, brass instruments. I think we we're inspired by that uh, conversation during our last episode talking about uh, me playing trombone with at stakeholder meetings. I'm not sure what, but we're going to be talking about music. So uh, this is a topic actually that was suggested though by Sarah. So uh, welcome, Sarah. And uh, yeah, thanks. What, what kind of led you to coming up with this topic? What, where did this idea come from? Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. And well, the reason actually that I thought about it was because music is new to me. It's something that I had always been interested in, but had actually never learned. And so I started about a year ago to take piano lessons. And it's amazing because it's opened up a whole new world to me. And in fact, as I learn more, it seems more like a universe even. It's just absolutely enormous in terms of what I'm learning each time. And I find a lot of parallels in the work that I do because I found that I've had to really have a lot of humility around what I'm doing because I'm in there with, you know, taking lessons and I'm, I'm just starting at the most basic level. And there's usually a 10-year-old in the next room playing a beautiful song. <laughs> And so it's been kind of an interesting process for me because I'm realizing that there are all these things I have to learn, but at the same time that um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that I can learn from my kind of experience in work that I can apply to how I learn music, but also from music, I can learn a lot in what I'm doing in my work. So I thought it was a really exciting topic and I know people have very different experiences with music. So it's kind of a fun one as well. Yeah, I think we're pretty excited. We're going to have a very musical episode for, for all of you. Um, you know, why don't we kick things off with this topic? We, we did a little bit of pre-discussion before we started um, the podcast episode um, about what different things that evaluation and music mean to us. And, and there wasn't any one uh, or two themes that emerged. We had a lot of different ideas all over the place. So um, why don't we just get started? Um, Brian, how, okay, what does evaluation and music mean to you? Uh, so yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while now, and uh, music's been always an important part of my life. I've never performed professionally, I've never been paid to do music, but um, as mentioned in the last podcast, I, I play in a local community band. Uh, it's a fun activity for me. Um, one thing that I guess came to mind was that music is kind of one of those human activities that's both universal, but how it's kind of practiced and understood uh, across the world can really vary dramatically. Um, and it's kind of like how I see the parallel right there with evaluation, because uh, I can't remember who said it, but uh, that evaluation is like the second activity that humans learn after observation. Like I see this thing in the in the tall grasses in the distance. What is it? What does that mean to me? Is it important? Is it not important? So um, so just like uh, like music, um, 
um, evaluation is something that we all kind of practice or we all understand in some way. We can feel a beat. We can understand music. We can understand rhythm, even if you don't call it those things. So, uh, yeah, so I guess that's kind of for me, maybe the first and foremost link between music and evaluation is that it's something that we all do. It's not, yes, there's people who have more skills, who practice it, who kind of get more engaged that way, but it's really something that we all have the capacity to do and maybe to appreciate and understand as well. Oh, I like that. I like that as, you know, both music and evaluation. Because I feel like people get intimidated by both things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like Sarah, I think that, that speaks to the point you were making about how, you know, it's it's been a humbling experience for you to, to be learning music as an adult and be listening to these kids who are playing, you know, amazingly and, and um, having to, to embrace that. I think, you know, performing musically or participating in evaluations or doing evaluations, those can be really intimidating experiences. So I like the idea that actually these are things that we can all do. They're, they're sort of accessible to everyone. Yeah, and I've really appreciated some of the conversations that I've had with my teacher because I know he teaches children and adults. And so we'll talk about the difference and what it means for a child to learn versus an adult. And they're actually a little bit different. So it's kind of interesting how much I learn about the way that I think as well as I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. What kind of things has he brought up for you? Uh, Well, he talks a lot about kids being basically, of course, they're young, so you have to keep them engaged, but you also have to do a lot of repetition. It's not really about the concept so much as just learning to do things. And he said they do tend to be better at it, um, which is true. I mean, I really struggle with the basics of the hand-eye coordination and, and my brain and my hands doing the same thing at the same time. But at the same time, I also get really interested in the concepts. And my teacher actually is amazing, and he has a background in physics, so he can explain to me all the mathematical relationships of the different kinds of music and notes, and that's the part that I'm finding engaging. And so he really enjoys that kind of conversation with me because he said that that's something that, the, you know, the kids are better usually at playing than I am, but that that's a conversation that he wouldn't necessarily have with them. So it's just different ways of learning and engaging, and so... I'm finding that he's also, I mean, he's just a great teacher, but he's really able to engage me in a way that I can relate to. And so even if my, I don't have this sort of motor memory to understand how to play automatically, I can sort of start to understand conceptually and then I start to get better as I'm practicing. And that raises some really interesting point or an interesting parallel too, is that uh, just as you need different ways to engage people for learning, whether it's music or what have you, for evaluation, uh, we've talked before on, on a couple of different episodes, just about different ways of, of reaching out to people, to explaining concepts. You know, some people are going to love a, a logic model uh, to see that, um, but some people need something that's, um, you know, a different format. Uh, maybe they need uh, an infographic or something else to kind of uh, really kind of get the ideas across. Yeah, and I find too that, you know, especially with taking lessons, I've I've sort of learned one thing and thought, oh, great, I've learned it. And then next week he changes it. And I think, well, but I thought I already learned everything. <laughs> I thought I learned the, the whole concept. And uh, so it's kind of nice because you learn that actually that models are just a way of learning, but it doesn't mean that's everything. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to be able to build on what you're learning and each time be able to add something new. And I mean, as as somebody who also does a lot of training and evaluation, I find the same. Like you're trying to relate to people and their own experience and then figure out what you can add and how you can build on what people are actually learning and how they're applying it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think evaluators can relate to the feeling of, but I thought I already learned everything I needed to know. And now you're telling me (laughs) I need to learn something else. Yep. I've been in that situation for sure. (laughs) And in both music and in evaluation. Well, but you, Carolyn, what's kind of some, go ahead. I was going to say, pretty much every time Michael Quinn Patton brings out a new book, I have that feeling. So, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I love this topic right off the bat. And then after a few minutes of thinking about it, I realized, oh God, what, what do I actually have to say about music and evaluation? It took me a while um, to really think about what what it does mean for me. And I, I stepped back and I thought, okay, well, what role does music play in my life? You know, what, how do I actually uh, interact with or use music? And I realized, you know, when I was, a, I did used to do lessons at one point when I was, I did piano lessons as a kid and, and I used to do some vocal lessons, but um, I don't really do, I don't really sort of push myself to learn music anymore. And um, mostly the role that music plays in my life is is very private and very personal. It's It's the thing that I do when I'm on my own, um, it's, you know, music I'm listening to while I'm working to help, you know, keep my head in the right headspace. I have lots of playlists that I use to, um, you know, if I'm trying to stay really focused on something or, um, stay up late at night to keep working on something, I'll use music to help keep me alert. Um, music is also the thing that I go out, you know, I'll go out to a concert or go out to a, the symphony, um, as a way of disconnecting and disengaging from work for a little while and and doing something that doesn't involve staring at my computer screen or thinking about numbers and and models and things like that and just to just to listen and be present with something I thought okay so how how does this all all of this connect to evaluation and it just got me thinking about um it, this kind of came up in our, in our sort of new year's podcast as well this idea of of getting getting physical with things, getting tangible with things. And I thought, you know, it would be so neat to use music to not just set a tone for myself while I'm working, but to create, say, the atmosphere of a focus group. Mm. Um, use music at the beginning or throughout to bring a different energy or a different vibe uh, to an exercise or a facilitation, as a facilitation technique. Um, I thought, okay, that could be a really interesting way to bring music into evaluation. Um, yeah, that's kind of the thing that I arrived at when I was thinking about this. Because, you know, how, how can I actually use music as a tool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting idea. And I like to, to yeah, try to tease that a little bit further. Um, yeah, facilitation technique, that sounds really interesting just to yeah, set a mood. But, uh, yeah, as an evaluation tool, I mean, again, you kind of uh, kind of raised that, like you said, in our last podcast. But, uh, yeah, I'm still kind of noodling that one over. Uh, Sarah, do you have any ideas on that? Well, yeah, it's interesting as you say it because I had been to a workshop that was about using poetry in evaluation. And um, and I, I've never used music um, or poetry in evaluation. But, um, but that was an interesting presentation because I think it raised a lot of the same questions around how do you connect with people in a different way. Um, and yesterday I was talking to a friend who's also uh, in evaluation and she was talking about how um, some of the people that she was working with were really struggling because they were trying to apply a very complex um, social issue to a logic model. And uh, there was a moment where people were feeling quite um, sort of sensitive about it because they were saying, well, this is such a complex issue. How can we put this into a logic model? And they felt like, you know, that this was something that was kind of a, not just a challenge for them, technically speaking, but they're saying, well, is this really the way that we'd relate to a community? And so I think it's quite interesting to think about music or other ways of relating to people and having people's sort of other side of the brain engaged and, and letting people feel um, feel their way into what kind of work is going to be asked of them as part of the evaluation. Yeah, that's an interesting approach to it. Um and I think too, especially yeah, with music, because it's both a 
as you mentioned earlier, it's, you know, can be broken down to like a very scientific, a very structured kind of thing. It's frequencies, it's math, it's physics, but then there's this whole complete, you know, creative intuitive piece. So maybe that could be a way for people to see, because I think our craft too is a little bit like that, that we have this, you know, this, these frameworks, we have these, um, these methods, social science methods and so on. But at the end of the day too, we're sometimes bringing in some more um, intuitive or creative pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and music is such a, I mean, it's got such a powerful emotional presence. Mm-hmm. It can really bring people together. Actually, that just reminded me just now of this really interesting piece I read on the, um, I think it was the nonprofit AF blog by by Viewly, and I'll link it. It's something about um, uh, karaoke for social change. <laughs> was the name of the art. It was a great article. I actually shared it around at, at one of uh, the projects I work on because karaoke is, is something that, that gets done as part of that project. Um, uh, and it's the idea was that, you know, bringing together people who are working at, at different nonprofits, I mean, and working together or within the same organization um, and using karaoke as that, that team building or that group building kind of exercise because it's it's fun. You know, you don't have to be the amazing singer. Sometimes it's more fun when you're not the amazing singer. <laughs> um, my, one of my most favorite karaoke experiences I ever had, we were using it as at, at a staff party and I said, okay, we're going to do, you know, karaoke roulette, just pick a couple of numbers and, and I'll sing whatever song comes up. I don't, I, I don't, whether I know it or not, I'll just sing whatever song comes up. And I got super lucky and it was YMCA. And so <laughs> the whole room just got up and started singing and dancing. And it was this amazing, powerful experience that really brought us together. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, like how, how could we use things like that? Because we're often dealing with these really difficult, emotionally charged situations and, I, you know, maybe there's ways that we could use things like music or, or like other, you know, arts-based methods, things that are creative, you know, poetry or drawing or, or sculpting with clay or things like that to help diffuse some of that tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, as you're talking, it's reminding me of times where that has happened for me when I've been somewhere else, for example, in a different country where, you know, I'm in a different culture and people have been playing music and kind of invited me to join. And then all of a sudden you're part of this bigger thing and you're really welcomed into it in a, in a way that you couldn't be just by sort of words alone. And it is an incredible experience. It's very powerful. Yeah, and there's definitely that whole social connection, that social bonding aspect of music as well, which can be just so crucial if you if you can kind of connect into that, whether it's dance, whether it's performance, whether it's just uh, part of a, a ceremony or a ritual. Yeah, it can be a huge kind of way to to be to kind of gain entry, to be part of, to connect with the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on the flip side, though, it, it did occur to me. Then again, this is back to my piano teacher, but I during Christmas I actually played some Christmas songs, which I enjoyed very much because they were familiar to me. I'm not great with music. And so all of a sudden I kind of recognized them and I felt a little bit more comfortable. But what I found was my teacher said, you know, he could tell that I was enjoying myself because I was playing something a little bit familiar. But he also said, you know, you're actually paying much worse than usual. (laughs) And uh, so I said, what are you talking about? I feel like I'm playing much better. And he said, well, yeah, because you're playing with your memories, you know, from your childhood. But actually, that's not really what the music is saying. You're just playing what you remember. And, uh, and so, and, and I noticed that, you know, he was right, but what it reminded me of was just that in our work, I think sometimes, you know, you have kind of a certain cultural sort of perception of things that all of us do, and that that's where you naturally start to feel comfortable, and just a reminder that often we are working in contexts that are very different than our own, and so, mm-hmm. and often we're working with multiple different cultures also, who are also working with one another, and so just remembering that comfort doesn't actually equal... Uh, sort of safety or 
mm-hmm. um, I guess, kind of a, a common platform. So you always just need to be aware also of where you are feeling those kind of comforts, because I think in our work, it's important to be very aware of, of culture and people's um, perceptions and their values and all that kind of thing. So there is also another side to it, I found. Mm-hmm, definitely. I've had a similar experience in my community band whenever yeah, we play a Christmas piece or we play something that's popular music. Um, our conductor always reminds us, you know, we have this image, each of us in our head of how the song goes, or I guess a, more of a audio memory, I guess, not an image. Um, but whatever we have in our head individually is different from our neighbor and is certainly different from what's written on the page in front of us. So uh, I think it's maybe a, a reminder, too, if we're working with other evaluators that uh, we may both say, oh, we're taking a participatory approach for this or we're using uh, outcome mapping for this. But we still each of us may have different ways of understanding what is that tool that we're using or different thoughts about how we apply it in the situation. So when in doubt, communicate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really wise insight about, you know, being mindful of of our comfort zones and that that's not always where we do our best work. Mm-hmm. Um, although it also gets me thinking, you know, Brian, when you're talking about your playing with your band as well, it, one of the things that has always really amazed me about uh, music is how incredible it can be to have a whole group of people who are able to play something more amazing than any one person could play alone uh, and just be coordinated by nothing more than, you know, some sheets of paper with little funny marks on them and a, and a guy with a baton. I, I mentioned I, I really like um, going to the symphony. I'm a big nerd for classical music and I'm just stunned at what can be produced, like the type, the, the music that you, that can be performed. And it really is just a lot of individual people being coordinated. And I, I think about the kinds of projects we do, especially like really big uh, multi-stakeholder projects or collective impact type um, approaches or things like that when it's, you know, getting so many people on the same uh, page and how it can, you know, it all, all it takes is a few people being a little bit off and it's, it's just a cacophony and it's, it's, you know, really quite painful and difficult mm-hmm. to listen to, but when it works, when it's in harmony, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. I was so lucky. I was able to go to this workshop some years back. It was about jazz and leadership and I don't know anything about jazz, but I learned a lot that evening. And what they did was they said that basically it's, they called it minimal Uh, minimal structure maximal autonomy and the idea is they said that the musicians basically agree on something they call a core chart which is basic and I jazz people may correct me here but my understanding of it in a basic way is that they sort of have a common note that they sort of come back to um, or it's sort of the foundation of, of what they're playing and he said that actually to be a good jazz musician it's all about listening Uh, to the people you're playing with, and then you actually kind of create a relationship as you're playing. And so they had a band as an example, and it was amazing. So he said, you know, these people don't know each other. They've, They've not played before. And then he would give them a very basic direction, and then they would start to play. And you would see how in the beginning they were kind of feeling each other out, and then all of a sudden they'd be playing these beautiful songs together. And he was saying, you know, there's the part where they play together, which is also amazing because they actually have to really be, as you say, kind of in in coordination. But then there's also a part where each of them would have a solo. And he said, actually, all of the other musicians, when somebody has a solo, have very important jobs. And their job is to make the soloist sound good. And that that's actually a really important job because it's not nothing. They're actually still playing in the background. And so each of them are kind of shifting and and sort of trying to 
um, really emphasize the strengths of the person who's playing solo at the time. So I thought that was a really amazing example, actually, of how people can work together and the group dynamics and how to support one another without having to overtly communicate about everything. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, any kind of music, like you said, uh, both of you just, uh, um, you have different roles. Uh, we play different roles. Sometimes, you know, one role is going to be more important or maybe not more important, but maybe taking a bit more of a lead uh, position. It's going to be carrying the melody. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the the ones in the background aren't important either. And sometimes they get a chance to, to shine as well. So I play uh, trombone, low brass. So 90% of the time, it's pretty uh, foundational stuff. So we're not getting much of the glory. Uh, but if we are, we are off, if we're, we're not quite providing that kind of foundational level of of keeping the time of keeping uh, um, kind of the root of a, of a harmony uh, people are going to notice they maybe won't be able to point their fingers at us but they can say like you know something's off here and I think likewise um, you know with their evaluation work we may not get a lot of the the sun glory we don't uh, there's you know outside of our field um, how many famous evaluators are there I don't think even MQP is probably that well known outside of the evaluation field per se um, but the work we do is still crucial oh I can definitely relate to that and take heart in that as a as a former high or no elementary school uh, double bass player <laughs> who is still scarred still scarred by <laughs> canon and d in which you just play the same eight notes forever <laughs> over and over again while the violins and violas do amazing incredible things and the cellist and bassist just like oh, but you wouldn't be able to do this without me um no it's really important yeah to have those uh people who are just keeping time, keeping things on track. I remember in junior high jazz band, the trombones got the, uh, we played Stand By Me, that old song, and uh, we got the, uh, we got the bass line, do, 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 and so on. So you're just playing that the entire song. So, which again, you're, it gets repetitive, but if you didn't have that, it wouldn't be the song really. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same without it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this has been some great conversation. Is is there anything else that we want to share about what evaluation and music and, and what they mean to us? Well, I just had one really kind of interesting revelation one day when I was playing, and uh, that was basically just around complexity. And and it also, I think, reflects a little bit about sort of some of the work that I've been doing on collaboration. And so what happened was I was learning piano in a very basic way. So when you're first learning, you have one hand that you play with and you, and you practice that, then you learn the other hand, and then you put them together. And so as I was doing that, I was feeling, okay, I've got hand it, you know, the first hand, I've got the other hand, and you sort of practice, and then you feel good. And then the first time that I played together with both hands, it was like a fuse just blew in my head. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Everything kind of just immediately stopped. And it was a surprise to me because I thought, well, but I practiced both. Now I should just be adding them together and it should be no problem. But I realized that actually there's some kind of additional element there that I am challenged to understand because it's actually really important. It's not just that you kind of add one to the other but there's sort of this complexity that's added in and it's I don't know if you want to call it coordination or or what the right word is but um, I think that happens a lot in evaluation because a lot of the work anyway that I'm doing and I think a lot of us are asked to do is in sort of the context of innovation or certainly for nonprofits nowadays there's a lot of pressure for them to collaborate and work with each other and so you know it's not just one organization plus another organization's work it's actually the combination of those things and sometimes articulating that can actually get really hard um, and so I, it just reminded me that, you know what, you, there is some element there that we have to acknowledge and we, you know, it, it does take some work to kind of understand it, but I think it's a really key point because 
that's really the strength of our ability to work together is understanding what's going on in that moment where you actually put the two together. So um, that was just a little a little kind of lesson that I learned as I was playing. And I thought, yeah, this is exactly what I'm challenged with in my work as well. Definitely. And I think that jazz example you had from earlier, the, the jazz improvisation workshop and leadership, uh, you, I think you mentioned that it took even those musicians who I assume are, are probably quite well trained, a lot of experience, yeah. it still took them a little bit of time to kind of, uh, in this particular setting, kind of to, to feel each other out, to kind of balance out, to kind of see um, where each other is taking this, but be able to kind of state their own needs musically as well at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's not something you can just automatically assume that you can pick up and just kind of run right away with no problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, some really great insights. I think this has been pretty, pretty terrific, pretty interesting episode. We wanted to finish it off um, with uh, each one of us took some time to think about a song that represents or relates evaluation to us. So we've each picked our song and we're going to just uh, introduce what our song is and uh, why why we chose it, why we think it connects up to evaluation. And we're also hopefully uh, going to be able to edit some clips of the music into the episode itself. Uh, if not, uh, we'll also have links to to the songs in, uh, in our show notes so, so that you can put together your own evaluation playlist. And please feel free also to uh, come to our website, comment or, or tweet us uh, your own evaluation music suggestions. So who wants to kick us? Uh, Sarah, do you, as our guest, do you want to start with uh, the song that you chose? Sure, thank you. So the song that I chose is Taint What You Do by Ella Fitzgerald. And uh, when she's singing this song, it's kind of interesting because the, this, that's the song title, but she basically repeats um, throughout different things that are what actually matter. So she says, taint what you do. It's the place that you do it. It's the time that you do it. It's the way that you do it that gets results. And um, I think she's actually talking about advice from her mom in the song. But um, it's kind of interesting because I think that's that's kind of what we do. Is It's not just what happened. It's where and how and when and, and all of those questions that are really the essence of what we're doing. And, and we are talking about, again, sort of the, the gets results. What, what does that actually mean, too, is, is another thing that we're kind of um, working on, I think, as we're, as we're working with our um, projects and, and the different groups and people that we're working with. So anyway, I thought that song really kind of summarized it nicely. And, uh, of course, it's a beautiful song, too. The song that I chose... Um... Again, this took me a really long time, and I was thinking, what what piece of music should I figure out? And I was like scrolling through my various playlists to see if anything inspired me. Um, and I actually was just listening to to a completely. I wasn't thinking about it at all. I was listening to something else, and it suddenly struck me that the the music I was listening to at that moment really reminded me of the feeling of doing an evaluation, particularly doing an evaluation in the month of March. <laughs> Uh, February and March are notoriously very stressful, very, very tight timelines for projects. So the, the song itself um, is In the Hall of the Mountain King, um, a piece of music composed by Edvard Grieg um, in the 1800s. And you may not know the name, but I, I guarantee you, if, if you when you listen to it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've heard I've heard that one before. And it starts with this like very quiet sort of just kind of creeping along you know it's not not too intense you know it's kind of you get the sense of it's going somewhere but it's it's just just very quietly creeping along and it just builds and builds and builds in intensity until all of a sudden like it's just this intense fast overwhelming there's so much coming at you and then it ends 
on March 31st. <laughs> and so that for me, that's my evaluation song, at least for this time of, of year. And how about you, Brian? For, for my piece, uh, I... I um... I decided just to make sure that we have some Canadian content uh, on this <laughs> podcast and makes us eligible for CBC funding, perhaps in the future. Um, song I picked was "Ordinary Day" by Great Big C. Um, has the 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 chorus line is "It's an ordinary day and it's all your state of mind." At the end of the day, you just have to say it's all right. So maybe when you are in that middle of March madness as an evaluator, or you're just um, you're trying to deal with contradictory data, or you're just really you know frustrated by things or whatever, just remind yourself, you know, it's an ordinary day, and at the end of the day, it's going to be all right. So go back to self care, and I think just a little anthem just to kind of keep you pepped up. Yeah, nice. that's, that's probably a pretty good one to, to end on. Uh, so that does bring us to the end of our episode. And Sarah, I want to thank you so much on behalf of Brian and myself uh, for being our guest. We also wanted to offer you an opportunity. If there's anything that you'd like to promote or share with our listeners, this is your chance. You have a platform here. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking with you about this. It's kind of fun uh, to share these sort of esoteric thoughts sometimes and um, yeah I just wanted to remind everybody that the Canadian Evaluation Society Conference is coming up it's from May 26th to June 1st in Calgary as well as Yellowknife and so just if anybody wants to learn more about that it's at c2018.evaluationcanada.ca and it's probably a good time to register right now. I was going to say, I think Brian and I are also planning on being there and uh, maybe we'll be doing some podcast reporting uh, recording at the conference. Oh, I look forward to it. That would be great. Mm -hmm, definitely looking forward to it. Well, thanks again for, for joining us today. And I think that's it for episode 10. We didn't mention that yet so far in this episode, but we have reached double digits. So I think we're official. We're, we're uh, legitimate now podcasters. I don't know what it is, but um, here's to many more. Congratulations. Your certificate's in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going through our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at evalcafe, and if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for Poppers and Prosecco, our intro theme, and Dispersion Relation, our outro, as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro.